1: Do you like beer and history and strange and unusual facts? If you don't, I probably can't help you. But I know somebody who can. The History of Germany, Bahamikin, The History of Alchemy, and The Secret Cabinet are all podcasts on the top of my playlist. These podcasts are so well-researched, and Pete and Travis are so genuinely interested. These shows are really education and entertainment combined in the best possible way. Travis isn't afraid to veer off the path of the standard narrative and talk about some of the more off-beaten, colorful history that makes listening so much more fun. I'm Steve and I host and create A2Z History Page Presents the History of the Papacy. My show looks at the history of the Popes of Roman Christian Church. I like to explore how the office of Pope and the Christian Church in general evolved over the course of centuries and millennia. I try to feature some of the more colorful and unusual aspects of the Christian history story as well. So if you like to step over the ropes and go where the tour normally doesn't go, you can find out more and subscribe at A2ZHistoryPage.com. Back to Travis.
2: Thanks, Steve. Kind words indeed. And I am also a listener of the History of the Papacy podcast. So go have a listen. Welcome to the History of Germany podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And there's also, if you like the Bohemican Podcast, which is um, a history podcast about Bohemian Czech history and culture, there's videos out there now, so go check out the Bohemican Podcast YouTube channel. And all that stuff's on podcastnik.com. That's podcastnik.com. Anyways, back to the History of Germany podcast. Now, the first two bridges on record across the Rhine River were built by Julius Caesar. And so this is a kind of a good point to slow down and give you a brief geography lesson. This will probably be even briefer in the German version. Now if you want a great geographic overview of Europe in history podcast format, Ben from Wittenberg to Westphalia podcast um, has that. He's on episode nine right now and he's still just kind of going over the geography of Europe region by region. So all the, the Rhine river, like, region and all of that is described on his podcast. And there's even a great guest episode in there, by the way, too, on uh, episode 7 on Jan Hus. That's, that's a great episode on Wittenberg to Wasphalia podcast. Anyways, the Rhine is important. Up until now in the show, it has been Caesar's border between Celts on the west and Germanic tribes on the east that already makes it kind of important to Caesar and and then therefore to the Romans. And we now know that that was far from the truth. Um, If anything, I've been spending the last 10 episodes trying to explain how the Rhine is not just a border between two different cultures. Um, But now it became the truth. So Caesar started to make it the truth. It was a boundary for a while even of the Roman Empire and then it separated Gaul from Germania. And centuries later, it was again the boundary. After Charlemagne's son Louis the Pious died, it became the boundary between the kernels of what would become France and Germany, except that Charlemagne's empire was split into three parts, with Lorraine or Middle Francia um, went to Lothar I, or Loth- you know, which became Lotharingia, and now Lorraine. Um, anyways, that's the whole like Alsace region that's will be important for the history of Germany show. Um, now the Alsace region is on the French side. It's you know, and it's on the west side of the Rhine, and it's French now. But it was Germany many times, uh, Prussian, all that stuff. But it was also part of Middle Francia, Lotharingia. And basically the Germans were never quite sure if the Rhine should really be the border. I mean, it was kind of ambiguous then too. And that region did go back and forth many times, you know in many, many wars, like the Franco-Prussian War, world wars. Um, it was part that, that's the part of region, that's the part of land that was protected by the Maginot line before World War II. So to anyways to Caesar, like to many others, it was a boundary. And the last episode we saw Caesar mop up and clean up on the west side of the Rhine. He finished subduing the various Belgian tribes and the Suebi had all gone to the east side of the Rhine, which you know we discussed in the very last part of the last episode. The last episode was all about Caesar fighting the Suebi and we talked about how important Suebi was. Suebi you know, could mean German for hundreds of years after this. So, anyway, Caesar kicked them all to the other side of the Rhine, where Caesar thought they belonged. But the Germans felt too safe on the right side of the Rhine. They conducted rains across the river and and then, you know, would escape back to safety. And then, now, all of this, according to Caesar himself, basically our only real source here, um, and you can go read it, it's not very long, Caesar's description of the bridge and his campaigns here. Basically, what happened is some tribes started picking on the Ubians who were allied to Rome. Or Ubians. So basically, to secure the new border of Gaul, Caesar decides to cross the Rhine. Now, the reason Germans felt safe is that the Rhine is huge. It's about a kilometer wide at its... kind of, you know, just before the delta. But even upstream, at the point where Caesar wanted to cross, it was still 500 meters. Now, in 500 BC, Caesar decided boats just wouldn't do it. Um, He would make a spectacle out of it. He would build a bridge. And he did that in 10 days. And then he tore it down. And then he did it again in 53 BC, two years later. This wasn't just out of practicality of moving troops across Safer. This was a message to the Germans. And also back home. He doesn't just win wars, but he can also conquer his surroundings through, you know, Roman engineering. And he did that. The Eubians even offered boats. But according to himself, part of the reason was just that it was his style. Now, if you want to find the spot exactly where the first bridge was built, um, it's hard to say exactly, but somewhere between Andernach and Neuwied downstream of Koblenz on the Rhine River. And his writing gives details of um, kind of the material and that it's a wooden beam bridge with double timber pilings that were kind of rammed into the bottom of the river by winching up this large stone and then releasing it over and over like, you know, kind of like a hammer. And that, you know, that would drive the supporting posts, basically the pilings, into the riverbed. And uh, I watched to kind of get a picture of this, there's a BBC documentary out there, if you want to see this in action, they build a slightly scaled, I think it's like 60% or 40% of the original build bridge, but it's still really big, and they tried their best to use Roman architecture and methods, and Caesar wasn't very precise on all the details, so there's a lot of room for interpretation, and there's many different modern designs of bridge, um, but anyways, it's, it's a, you know, if you want to actually see what I'm talking about, like what it looks like, there's documentaries out there. You can see a visual image of this um, being reconstructed. And they commented on and interpreted on Caesar's, you know, pretty vague description of what he did. And then they attempted to build the same cranes, you know, to hammer in the pilings and all that. It, it all seemed pretty authentic. And they also tried to do it in a shorter time frame since it's a shorter bridge. It's, it's a good watch if you're interested. But basically, the pilings were all at an angle. This is this is in Caesar's works, uh, in, in his writings. It's kind of a cross beam between them, and then the branches on top for decking to form basically the street. Now, the pilings are at an angle, so... You know, to go against and with the current. So basically the stronger the current, they m- the more pressure is on that cross beam. So the stronger the bridge, it just kind of pushes itself together. It's, you know, it's pretty cool engineering. So basically the most upstream and downstream pilings were slanted and secured by a beam, and then multiple segments of these kind of linked up and formed the basis of the bridge. Now a good estimate of the overall length and everything said and done the bridge is said to be about 400 meters like he found it you know there's a couple narrower spots and about eight meters wide and the depth of the river can reach up to 9.1 meters or 30 feet so pretty long pilings were needed and they used an oak for this that in Europe some of the oaks grow really straight and tall that these days would probably cost a fortune the first bridge he had um, he did have the manpower to do it, so it's just, you know, that was on his side. He had 40,000 soldiers to use, and so he was able to do this in 10 days. He crossed with his men, and then they kind of burned some villages, um, specifically those of, of the Sugambri and Suebi, and, which are the tribes he was after. Most of the people, though, had actually retreated further into the forest when, you know, as soon as they saw him start to build this bridge across the Rhine, they just they took off. And the Romans, or let's say Caesar, of course, interpreted this as a cowardly retreat at, you know, the site of awesome Roman engineering. But this was really tactical. So the tribes kind of gave themselves time to gather before confronting Caesar. And when Caesar found out that the Germans were indeed gathering, he went back across his bridge and took the bridge down behind him. Now, he called his 18-day venture without any battles a victory because he did burn a village or two. But that didn't quite stop the Germans. That showed them that he could cross once, you know, now and then. um, But it didn't really stop them from doing their raids in boats across the river. So two years later, it came to a point where Caesar decided to do this again. And pretty close to the site of the first bridge... Possibly at today's Ulmitz, near right near Neuwied, Caesar erected a second bridge. They they might have found um, some remains, but probably not. I think the, the wood they found were all from the Middle Ages. Um, but anyways, you know, that's maybe we'll find out more about this in a couple of years. But basically the second bridge he wasn't as exact with how long it took him. He just wrote in a few days and then his expeditionary forces raided the countryside, but did not encounter any significant opposition as the Suebi again retreated into the woods. And upon returning to Gaul, the bridge was again taken down. Now, the strategy behind this, because he didn't really do any conquering, he didn't take over any of the, you know, Germania at that point, later on, you know, a century or two later, Um, I'll talk about this in this podcast, when parts of Germany were conquered by the Romans and the Roman Empire then shaped a lot of the culture of who the Germans became um, in in many ways. But, you know, so this is kind of the first or, you know, some of the the really first encounter of uh, Romans inside on the on the east of the Rhine um, and there's another encounter coming up here that doesn't go so and so well for the Romans Um, but the the Romans have a really interesting history on the east side of the Rhine so we'll definitely get into that for now Caesar's strategy worked he was able to secure the eastern border like the the Gaulish part um, and he demonstrated that Roman power could easily and at will cross the Rhine that it really wasn't a natural hindrance at all and from now on for several centuries significant germanic incursions across the rhine stopped so you know again mission accomplished really even though he didn't he didn't do much and really what probably you know what his goal really was that he definitely accomplished was that he this feat kind of served him as establishing his fame at home it's just one of the things that gets a whole podcast episode two thousand years later dedicated to this one thing. Um, that is how cool it was. It, it really was an engineering feat and a statement. Whatever it was, it, it definitely worked. So that's that's why I'm talking about it now. Now, the if you're trying to find the exact location, it's you're you're not going to basically no one can really agree on where it is exactly. All the little towns around there, like Neuenach and Neuwied or Andernach and it, they, they found residual pilings, and of course, you know, just because of the tourist um, aspect of it, they all want that to be the authentic site. But so far, I think most of the wooden beams that have been examined are all date from the medieval times. But, um, I don't know, There's I found, I found an alternate site south of Bonn mentioned. So, um, in any case, you're not going to, you know, you can't go and see exactly where Caesar built the bridge. Maybe someday, they're, you know, they're, they're, they are really curious about it, so there's always excavations being done there. Um, so, maybe in a couple of years I can update this episode, but in, until now you're not going to find it. Now, this wasn't the, you know, that doesn't really matter to me, but what's fascinating, though, is the effect. Now, the Suebi just scattered and ran when they saw the Romans cross the Rhine not the Swaby as Ariovistos. In fact, the, the demonstration of engineering would keep the Germans on their side of the Rhine for a generation. And if you think about a generation, it's only been half that time since like the Berlin Wall fell and the Cold War ended. And well, more than half, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of getting old, but it's it's a huge difference for the region. You know, one generation, one generation where they really, that border that really does exist. My point is, crossing the Rhine was now defining the Rhine as a definitive border. The blurry edges between Celts and Germans start to go away. Celts everywhere started to Romanize, starting with under the leadership of Augustus. So so really just one generation after Caesar, the Celts had been in the Roman Empire for a whole generation. Now there was definitely differences between them and the Germans. And just a couple generations before, like I said in the last episodes, it was all intermarriages and really blurry lines. Now we start to see a border. Some of the Germans even on the border areas close to the Rhine also started to change, and also in the in the south of Germany, um, where where the, the blurring was kind of heavier anyways, then you know, some of the Germans started to Romanize along with this. But but definitely not as much as the Celts. And now we start to say that the non-Romanized people were Germans and the Romanized ones were Gauls and Belgae and all that. So, you know, now there's definitely a distinction there. And eventually, um, they would cross the Rhine more permanently, like I mentioned. There would be Roman colonization of the Rhine Valley. There would be more permanent bridges, stone bridges, like the ones at Castra Vetera at Samten or Colonia Claudia Ara Agrippinensium. Which is now known as Cologne or Köln, and then there's Confluentis or Koblenz and Mogontiacum, I think, which is Mainz now, just the city of Mainz. So all of those are were founded as Roman colonies. I mean Cologne, you know, the word comes from Colonia, colony. So um, it, there's a lot of history here, and because it's that is definitely history of Germany. So we will talk about um, Germans in the Roman Empire, but not yet. N- First, we have to take a step back. We're not there yet. A generation after Caesar, Romans would try to cross the Rhine again, this time for conquest. And now let's see how that turns out in the Battle of Teutoburg Forest. That will be next time on the History of Germany podcast. This podcast is a part of the History Podcasters Network. Uh, The network recently published... A collage the alcohol collage part two which all these history podcasters get together and we do this and this episode there was uh, from the show last stop to nowhere with Michael Sloan and Kyle Scherer and the history of alchemy podcast by myself and my co-host Pete Coleman and the History of Papacy podcast, which I highly recommend, by Stephen Guerra. Those were all in this alcohol collage part two. The History of Alchemy, we talked about distillation and alchemy's role. You know, it's really interesting. I think it's a good show. So anyways, don't forget about the new show, The Secret Cabinet. The English version has some six, seven, eight, nine episodes up. It's all German weird stuff. Um, Things that, you know, historic artifacts that they would not display in museums because of obscenity, or uh, vulgarity, or pornographic material, or that that kind of thing. But I talk about it in a very decent and uh, um, civil way. So the German version of that show has 35 or more episodes out already. And I'm again just translating the German version to the English, so it's kind of lagging behind. But if you want to see what's coming up, look at the German feed. Anyways, you can find all those shows and links and all the videos on podcastnick.com. That's podcastnick.com. Thank you very much. Ever
0: catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.